Just Being Honest, the JBH Podcast. Let's rock this. True food, full thought. On this episode, number 71 of the Just Being Honest Podcast, I'm discussing with six-time Olympic medalist, Rebecca Sony about how she went from robot to reshaping her feminine side. Rebecca Sony, guys, whew, what a treat. She's an American former co- a competition swimmer and a breaststroke specialist. You'll hear why I connect with her so much coming soon. Who is a six time, as I mentioned before, six time Olympic medalist. What? She's a former world record holder in the 100 meter breaststroke, short and long course, the 200 meter breaststroke, short and long course, and is the first woman to swim the 200 meter breaststroke in under two minutes, 20 seconds. Guys, that's freaking fast. As a member of the U.S. national team, she currently holds the world record in the 4 by 100 meter medley relay long course. Guys, I'm tripping over my tongue because this is a lot of stats going on here. But we're going to be talking about transitioning from the pool to mentoring athletes as a businesswoman through Rise Athletes. We're also going to hear more about her experience in the pool, being an athlete, and how this all goes hand in hand, and how it all goes full circle, back to what we like to call life. Now, guys, she's practicing the art of quote-unquote balance and giving herself love and spreading it to the younger generation as well. Rebecca's story is amazing, and I continue I continue to just feel so grateful to have her on. Her journey continues to unfold magically. I find that uncovering the hard shell reveals so much clarity as to what one's purpose truly lies beneath. Keep shedding those layers, Reb. I'm so grateful to share her story, her knowledge, and complete awareness for healing with you all. Turn up the volume and be sure to take notes. This is the Just Being Honest podcast. Today's podcast of the Just Being Honest podcast is brought to you by me, KB of Just Being Honest. I want to share something with you. Disease stems from always trying to please, but the soul is where your truth speaks. When you let your soul be the guide, that is when you are at your most powerful. I am your lifestyle designer, your advisor for health, wellness, travel, and local experiences near or afar. Domestic everyday lifestyle practices and the choice that you have to cultivate the life that you want. So, I'm giving you the gift of a free discovery call with myself to see how lifestyle designing is a real thing and how we can make it a reality within your world. So join me, JBH Free, 
and getting your first free lifestyle discovery call on me. Now, on to the show. Hi guys, this is your host, KB, and this is the Just Being Honest podcast. Welcome to my world. Today, as I record this podcast, it is Friday. It's actually Friday. Yesterday, I thought it was Friday for about a good two or three hours. So we're back on track. It's Friday. And I have an amazing guest on today. It's like the like the cosmos completely aligned. And I'll tell you how, A, I fell in love with this girl. And B, well, actually, there's C's. B, how she came into my life, and C, how she has always been an idol of mine, um, which she may or may not know, um, and I'm going to share with her. So the guest we have on today is six-time Olympic medalist and amazing, and when I say amazing, that's such a like deflated word because she's beyond that, amazing mentor. Seriously, even of mine. Um, Rebecca Sony. Rebecca Sony, welcome to the JBH podcast. How are you? I'm great. So happy to be here. So she, Ms. Sony, is coming live from Bend, Oregon. And I know where Bend is because my mom went to a wedding, um, a wedding in Bend, gosh, maybe three, four years ago. She had a, um, Actually, a swimmer friend growing up, um, and her daughter got married in Bend, Oregon. So, who's actually, she was in the Olympic trials at one point, too. I think she went to Stanford. Um, I don't know if you know Liz Smith, but throw that name out there. Um, but anyways, as I hear, Bend is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Yes. It's, it's secluded, right? Yeah, it's about three hours from Portland, where my family's been moving towards in the last couple years, so it's nice to have them close by, but it's about three hours away, not much in between here and there, Uh, so it's a a really, it's a a fun place. You got everything you need, but there's not much else around it, except for amazing nature that you go explore, which is right up my alley. I tell you, like, I... You're from New Jersey originally, right? Originally New Jersey and about 15 years in the L.A. area. So a little bit of both. 15? <laughs> well, because you went to school, so that kind of like like mushes some stuff in time together. Because when you were in L.A., you went to USC for college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you go on a swimming scholarship? I did, yeah. Okay, so what was that like going from New Jersey to L.A.? Let's just jump into this. I... Uh, Oh gosh, so long ago. It was it was amazing. I mean, uh, you're a young kid. I was 18. Mm. Grew up in a small town where I just drove to the pool and back. <laughs> That's about it. And thrown into LA, this land of like completely different culture and USC, which is this merging of people from all over the place. It was just culture shock. I mean, it was fantastic, but it was it was a lot at first. I don't consider myself an LA girl. Like I don't, um, not really into designer brands or you know wearing certain 
fashion this or that. So it was a lot. It was a lot of, um, as it is at that age in general, just trying to fit in and not fitting in and battling all of that. But at the same time, it was also being close to the beach and living in a different environment. I guess the other beach, because <laughs> I was, you know, in New Jersey, we went to the to the shore a lot, but. Uh, it's a completely different environment here or there in California at the beach. So it was it was cool. It was a fresh start, and I really enjoyed, especially later when I was out of college and had more time to, you know, exploring the region around it and all the things that you mm. can access from the LA area. That's what I really enjoyed a lot. Yeah, and it's so interesting because LA is such – it's so expansive, but it's such a bubble, you know? And you, I think you can tell by the smog. Like, it just kind of, like, locks you in. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, a trail. Oh, my gosh, like, this little path over here. So there is so much to do beyond just city life. I completely can, like, relate to you on that. And the fact that I'm from, I'm from Kansas. Like, I'm a KC girl, much slower. Um... And yeah, I went to school in downtown LA. And when I went to school down there, it is not like it is right now. Like right now, yeah. there's it's like livable. When I went down there, it closed on the weekends. Yeah. Um, so I get it 100%. So I, I do want to tap back to kind of like how I first, how I first discovered you. Um, and as a young swimmer, you know, being from Kansas City, and now I know that we have you know, people that we know, like, you know, uh, Max and from Kansas City Blazers. And I was a blazer. I was a Kansas City Blazer. I was that little swimmer girl. And I was an odd duck. Because moving from the Blazers, high school swimming, really getting gung-ho in that, I was the odd duck in that I chose breaststroke. And everyone thinks breaststroke is such a relaxing, let's just, you know, wade through the pool. Well, guys, it is not. You feel like your heart is about to explode through your chest at times. And Rebecca is, she's a breaststroker. She's a breaststroker. So I felt this instant connection with her. And not only, like, kind of watching her from afar, and she didn't know I was, you know, existing when watching her on TV and stuff, racing, but I also got the opportunity to go up to Omaha with my mom. And there, I got to watch her compete in the Olympic trials. And I just remember... Was remem this 2008 or 12? I think it was 2012. Mm, I don't <laughs> remember. I feel old. I think it was 2008, maybe. I think it was 2008, perhaps. I don't know. You might remember in the fact that I remember you getting up in your pink arena suit. That was 12. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so she gets up there. I'm like, you were like the only one with the flashy pink. Oh, and yeah. and yeah. I was like, there she is. There she is, folks. There's my girl. And I was like, mom, look at that suit. You know, this and time. Like I was going into fashion merchandising. And um, I just remember watching you. And like... Every breath that you took, your your underwater pull, I, I just, like, I did it with you. And I could feel it. And I could feel the, like, <gasps> you know, like, crazy. So, hey, that's one when I discovered wow. you. A silent connection. And then, and then, lo and behold, like, 
when I moved back out to LA, we ran into each other like at yoga and mm-hmm. in the Torrance swimming pool, like of all places, you know? And all these expanders and people kept coming and connecting to us. And I remember I kept seeing you in yoga and and I was just like, I just I feel her. So we're gonna guys, we're gonna jump into more about this. I could talk forever, you know. Um <sighs> But anyways, I wanted to let you know that like you were such a guiding light to me and your poise and your humility, like you, you were never like some, you know, pro athletes and saying like, look at me, you know, and you may know who I'm talking about. You didn't put on a show. You were just there. You were in your mindset and you just did it for the love of it. Now I could be entirely wrong. Like we could be on the other side now and you could be like, why the F did I do that to myself? But I do want to kind of jump in and ask like as a young child, were you like me or were you pressured to kind of go in or go home? You know? Um, I was just a normal kiddo. I mean, I just, I went to the pool a lot and I got really into it and I loved the hard work of it, but I was just, just doing it. I wasn't really extremely pressured. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was on some special path that was going to end at the Olympics. It never occurred or crossed my mind in that way. It was just, here's this thing that I've started to do and that I eventually learned to enjoy. (laughs) And was showing, you know, progression in, and I liked that progression, and I liked that the hard work ended up in the results, and just keep working hard and getting results, and, but that was pretty much it. It wasn't any big, you know, plan laid out in front of me, or any talk of the Olympics, even internally within myself, so that was all not until later on that it was, um, becoming on my mind as a kid it was just I like to swim and I swim a lot (laughs) yeah exactly it was just like being a pool rat you know at the pool right yeah just just always at the pool (laughs) you're training competing and then it's the summertime you're like well I think I'll join in the summer league so I can be at the pool more because you know can't get enough of that I guess (laughs) yeah and you know I guess it is I mean, is it different back then when we grew up because we're about the same age you're a couple months older than me but you know, I feel like nowadays parents have plans for their kids. They've got plans, you know, like we're going to set them up. They're going to go to the Olympics. Maybe because everything is social media, you know, highly publicized of everyone's lives. Um, and back then, you know, it was just like just put the kid in swimming because we don't want to get a babysitter or something, you know. Um, <laughs> right? Um, but was it – when you got to college that someone said, I really think you should, because I'm really starting to figure out this whole pattern where the more that you win, the more, I guess you could say like points you have to make it to the bigger races. Is that true? No, it's all based on, I mean, it's like based on your times. You make the cuts and then you get to the qualifying meets and by the qualifying meets, you make the team. So it has nothing to do with like, points or selection it's just show up win and keep progressing up this ladder right but yeah you know going back to what you were talking about with the way that we grew up and you know the way kids are now I think that's all relative certain people are pretty intense and 
put their kids in the sport because they see it as a path to getting a scholarship, going to college, you know, being a professional athlete, whatever that is. Um, but some are not like that. I think it's, I think it's a, a kind of a, a mixed bag still as it was, you know, I'm sure on your team. I mean, that's a pretty um, well-known team. I'm sure there were plenty of crazy parents, some parents, <laughs> right? And then there were some that were just, you know, my Definitely. kid is doing their thing and yes. I'm supporting them, which is how my parents were for sure. So yeah, I think it's still a mixed bag. I think it's just, there is a lot of need to stand out nowadays and maybe that's social media. Maybe it's just like the evolution of culture where we find ourselves right now, but I still think it's a mixed bag. And, and ultimately even those crazy parents simply want what's best for their kid. They just see that as success in their sport when it might not necessarily be the case like they're still just trying to say like oh I love my kid I want him to to succeed um and that can get carried away yeah exactly (laughs) when sometimes it's like I love my kid and I just want to love my kid and support them what a a hard thing to master I tell you and we're going to move on to how you're a huge culprit in that um that relationship between parents children um or even like teenagers, you know? So I want to move on to, um, let's talk about some Olympic trials. So I want to know about this mindset. Going into Olympic trials, I know what it is to go into like a state meet, but this is like inflated times a thousand. So I want to know about A, the decision that you made to like go after this, and then B, what it feels like to qualify for the olympics (laughs) yeah okay let's see um trials i would say is the most intense meet on the planet u.s Mm. olympic qualifying trials um i say that because once you get to the olympics obviously that's a world stage bigger deal even world championships but trials I think the united states probably has the most depth of good swimmers and so you have this, you know, battle between some of most of, uh, most of the the athletes in the final heats are, you know, they could all potentially, uh, medal at the Olympics. Right. (laughs) But there's only two people that can make it for each event. So it's a, it's a very intense meet. And of course the pressure on the line, and then there's, you know, on the other end of things, if you make the qualifying time, you can go to trials. So there's plenty of people that go to trials and aren't really like, I'm going to make the Olympic team or that's not necessarily my goal. I'm just stoked to be here because I made the cut. So you get that excitement as well, which is, it all brings together this very interesting energy. And then as the meet is progressing, it's an eight day meet because it's replicating the schedule of the Olympics. And over those eight days, you're constantly seeing these stories of heartbreak and of triumph. And like, of course, that's going to impact you as well. Both, you know, once you're, once I was on that, that level, cause I went to trials in Oh four and I was just, I was on the other, I was on the other end of just like, I'm so stoked to be here. Like <laughs> I'm this little schmuck of like, <laughs> I did well, but you know, it was just like, so stoked to just be at trials and then the next time in 08 it was like okay like now I I've got you know the top two on my radar I want 
I certainly want to make that team. It was the first time that I felt I, you know, was the top breaststroker in the country. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going for. And of course, my friends as well, my teammates, my friends that I'd made over the years that were in the same position that I was. And some of them were making the team and some of them were not. Some were celebrating, some were crying. And so there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of emotions and energy. And if you're not able to handle that, you know, how are you going to be able to step up and perform <laughs> for yeah. your race? And so in my first trials, um, I basically swim two events, the 100 and the 200 breaststroke, and 100 is always first. It's not my forte. The 200 was my cup of tea, but the 100 was, like, this bonus. Same stroke, just trying yeah. to swim faster. <laughs> you're like, well, geez. <laughs> Try to sprint. Yeah. Um, and so that's always first. I always use that as a, uh, you know, like, warm-up test run almost for the 200, which was my main thing. But at that point, I was pretty – well placed in the hundred as well and I, I'm pretty sure I went in top seed into finals in the hundred in a way and ended up buckling under the pressure and getting fourth place so I missed the team even though I wasn't really focused on the hundred but I was still in that heartbreak yeah. zone you know I was top the seed atmosphere and, and yeah the day before and I just I, I swam slower I freaked out behind the blocks and so so to be able to, to recoup from that and have two days to think about that and try to switch your mindset over to the upcoming race instead of the one that didn't go well, um, flip that around. And I ended up doing that pretty well, putting up a really good 200 brush show, dropping two seconds, winning. I, yeah, winning. <laughs> so getting the, the first spot in that 200 brush show, um, and getting a spot on the team. And I was 21, so I, you know, I had achieved something that for most of my swimming time I didn't even consider an option. It wasn't until about a year before that I started to think, like, okay, I'm the top breaststroker in the country, and in a year it's the Olympics, and if I'm still here, then I should be at the Olympics. So, uh, so it was this merge of, like, excitement and just – going with the flow because I'd never really saw myself in this position or expected to be here. And that mentality really carried forward into the Olympics the following month of just everything is new and exciting and here I am and it's just like, ah! <laughs> you know, just go with the flow. And, and of course, when it came to racing, it's a lot of the, the normal racing anxiety um, and, and maybe some, some new anxiety around that and pressure and nerves that, that on our, are on a whole new level. But, but ultimately, swim meet is a swim meet. And <laughs> when you are used to that format, you know, a lot of these pool decks look pretty similar if you can tune mm -hmm. out the crowds and what's the TV and the cameras and, like, you know, this is the Olympics or this <laughs> is Kyle's. If you can tune that out, it's, it's the, every pool is the same length. You know, that's one thing about swimming that it's pretty standard, right? You're, there's not much external influences. The pool is always the same length. The, you know, the, the lengths of the races are always the same. Um, the temperature is usually similar, right? All these things. And so if you can tune that out and really just get into the things that you know, uh, that's how you can really, I guess, swim true to your capacity. Yeah, it's it's so 
there's so much for what you just said about every pool. It's just, I mean, the length is the same, folks. You know, the the block is set up at the same height. You know, if you just tunnel vision it and realize that, and I know everyone's heard this time and time and again, it starts with your mind and your mind is so much stronger than your body. Like it always starts with your mind. And mm -hmm. I found out as me being a swimmer, A, like I hardly, I think I remember like maybe two total seconds of my entire races. The rest of it was just like blur. And oftentimes feeling like you're not even moving. Um, but in all reality, like the less that you think, or in me personally, the lesson I think about doing something when I'm doing it, this happened to me with tennis as well, the better I would perform. And the yeah. more I think I would overthink, you know? Um, so I, I completely 100% like can agree with what you just said. Um, so moving beyond that, I want to know, because we are going to talk about mindset a lot. I've been talking, you know, I talk a lot with my clients about this as well. The mindset moving on to the Olympics and just like people and your teammates around you, obviously you guys are not on the same energetic vibrational level, right? Rebecca, you are a very special being. And I don't know if you kind of are the same vibrational level as you were back in your 20s um, or th if things have kind of shaped you a little bit differently beyond that. But how do you kind of um, set boundaries on those vibrational level levels kind of throwing at you, especially people, teammates, um, from your same country or even different countries? Like, how did you protect yourself, set boundaries? How did you um, perhaps turn off some negative voices? Mm. It's ultimately, at, I'll, I'll kind of speak to at the time, to what I was aware of at the time. Um, knowing your routines, staying true to your routines, to what you need, which is an extremely challenging thing to do in a new environment, in a new uh, space where you're not necessarily in control of your time or transportation, you know, to get to the pool, maybe it's not exactly how much time you need ahead of time or, right, there's a lot of challenges to that. So to be able to stick to your routines to the best of your ability and to focus on that really helps to not give time to things that could be a distraction um, as well as that helps you tune into yourself what you need what feels good and and where your body's at that day there is certainly a lot just like i talked about it with trials there's a lot of stories happening around you there's you know your teammates your friends who are also going through this epic moment in their lives where they're achieving their dreams or failing <laughs> or they're thrilled or crying. You know, there's all sorts of emotions going on. And for me, it was being able to tune into um, the positive stories, the ones that inspired, right? And of course, the US team does pretty epically at the, at the Olympics. So there's a lot of really inspiring 
moments. And I think an important piece for me was it's not, it can't be just about my experience. I actually Mm -hmm. want to tap into those amazing stories around me because that's fuel, right? That's, that's energetic fuel Mm -hmm. of you're watching greatness and you're absorbing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, that definitely transfers over to teammates. And if there is a story that's more, didn't work out or somebody's really upset. It's like, I can't really be in the space to help you through that right now. Like <laughs> it, that in that capacity, that's like self, you have to be a little bit selfish, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're racing, you know, soon, if you, you know, different stories for different times, but I'm Gotta talking go. about like before yeah. you race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, and then there's, you know, the, the relationships that you have with the people that you're racing. I certainly was not one to, know too much about other people's times or or what they were you know how fast they were and I I couldn't get too involved with their stories because that would affect me (laughs) and I raced a lot against a lot of um, teammates and people that I that I trained with especially in 2012 when I was out of college and I was on a pro team where you know people were we were swimming together we were at the USC pool but you know we're out of college and people from different countries came to train Mm. with us. So some of the top um, competitors that I was racing both in the U S and internationally were, were teammates of mine. And I I know their strengths because I see them every day and they kick my butt every day in practice. Right. But like knowing how to manage that relationship um, as you're getting ready to race and, and knowing how certain people affect you. Right. It's, it's just a lot of tuning into just how you react to certain situations and um, making sure that you're protecting yourself and putting yourself into the space that you need to be put into. And I, you know, I've had all sorts of different experiences where I felt really confident leading up to a race. I had experiences where I did not feel confident leading up to a race and having to snap out of it. And, and certainly really grateful for being able to snap out of it right before getting into to racing and you know there's all sorts of spectrums but I think it, it comes back to being in touch with what's happening in your mind and it's not about your body <laughs> at that point point. and even like you were saying before you just you, you don't remember much you get into that flow state that zone is the goal because you've done all the training you've done all the the preparation and and to try to think that, you know, you can change anything at this point. It's not, it's not going to happen. You just got to step up and let go and and see what you can do. But that's the biggest obstacle is, is that letting go of your thoughts and just like going with it. Right. So once for me, it was once you get up to the blocks, it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm ready. It's just that time leading up to that. That's really challenging because you're not in it yet. You're waiting for it. You're thinking about it. Anticipation. Oh, yeah, that anticipation is the worst. It's the worst because it's it's that bringing to life the fear of the unknown, and it's the what if you know what if my goggles fall off? What if my toe slips a millisecond before? What if I don't, for some reason, follow through on my like you know pull or whatever you know like what if you know what if I flutter kick you know there could be so many. And it's so interesting because the what ifs are almost like little challenges. They're almost dangling carrots. They're almost like little dares we put on ourselves for some reason. Like, 
like, I dare you to try it and see if anyone noticed or, you know, it's so crazy, <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, but, um, moving beyond that, I mean, girl, you like, I just want to like give everyone a vision, um, of how it is to meddle. Like, what is that feeling? You slam into the wall, mm. you whip your head up, you look at the clock. I mean, we see it time and time again when we're tuning in um, at the, on the Olympics, and it's just like in the eyes. What does that feel like? Hmm. So I feel like my answer is not it might not be what you expect. Um, it can be whatever it is. I I feel like everyone has their own story here. So um, my story, my version. I went to two Olympics, and and both of them were very different experiences. One, I was the the underdog, the rookie, the unexpected gold medal, in which you know it wasn't it wasn't what I planned to do. I was hoping for silver at best, and I you know I was the rookie. I was like, even if I went home with no medals, I would have been like, wow, an experience, right? <laughs> and then the second time. In, in 2012 when I was the defending gold medalist, right? Where it's like, if you get anything but gold, you are a failure, which is messed up. <laughs> Crazy, right? What does that teach us? Two, two very different experiences. Um, this is something that, that certainly has, uh, I've been working through and trying to understand more and more, but in the moment of realizing that I'd won the first time, it was just shock, like shock, excitement, like, whoa, you know, like, I, what does I that even mean? Yeah. Right. I didn't expect it. Yeah. You know, I was racing the, the, the queen of Russia, Liesl Jones. She was, everyone was like, Liesl's going to win. It's like, it's a race for silver. And I just crushed it. <laughs> you know, that was amazing. I, I couldn't believe it. And so there's these, you know, 20 minutes or so after the race when it's, it's, you know, really intense. You're trying to make your way off the pool deck, doing all the media stuff, right? You're stopping at video after video, camera, news station after news station. And then once you leave the pool deck, it's, it's, you know, um, more media stations behind the scenes. So even to just try to get to the warm down pool is a huge thing. And, you know, the whole time you're processing I was processing like wow you know so those first 20 minutes or so were like wow like I just shock like I, I couldn't really believe it but when it came time to the middle ceremony um honestly I don't know it was kind of tough it was almost like in in my swimming career I trained myself to not feel Really. I mean, emotionally, I had trained myself to be a robot because, you know, if I feel pain, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to restrict myself. So I learned how to how to push past pain. And, and as a result, had a lot of trouble, like just feeling things in general. It's kind of what people say about, you know, if you take um, medication for depression or anxiety, like you might not feel the downs as much, but you also don't feel the ups as much. And so in a way that's that's how I felt. I got, you know, it was such a whirlwind between the media and trying to get a few laps in to warm down so your muscles don't freeze up to like signing drug test papers because you have to go into drug testing and then there's three people following you around to make sure you get in all these places and before you know it, you're thrown up on the metal stand and I was just like, what am I supposed to feel right now? Like, I just didn't know what to feel. I didn't know what to feel and I, that felt really sad. <laughs> like, yeah. 
so while I wasn't sad about, you know, obviously the position I was in, but the whole experience was just overwhelming. Um, but really exciting at the same time. Later on, I was able to kind of, you know, it didn't really sink in what I had done. Even for a couple of years, it didn't sink in. Yeah. That, like, I won a gold medal. And then the second time in 2012, it was relief. It was just pure relief because I had a lot more pressure. I had personal goals that I wanted to accomplish, which I ended up accomplishing, breaking 220 in the last, very last race. I knew I was kind of done. My body was done. This is my last chance. And it, it was just relief. I was just glad to be both done and that it was a success. So, um, so yeah, it's there's just a lot of unprocessed uh, emotions in that in that space and I think because I hadn't spent a lot of time being like I'm an Olympian I'm a gold medalist I, it wasn't this like I achieved my goals as much as it was it was just like whoa what is going on there's there's just like a lot going on that I can't quite process at the time um so yeah it's, it's complicated weirdly it's weirdly complicated yeah I'm I think I'm like you were you know it's almost like, how do you define it? Like, and I, that sounds so simple to say, but like, how do you define it? How do you define what a gold medal means to you? Like, mm -hmm. how do you define what winning means? How do you define, you yeah. know, all these things? And you kind of need to really go back to the mindset, which taps back into the heart, you know, if everything stems from the heart and just say like, what does this mean to me? You know, what does this mean to me? This moment right here, right now, what does it mean? Does it put like an end cap off of all the hard work and the love of the summer swimming, you know, back in New Jersey? Like, like, is this what this means to me? You know, and gosh, I can only, I can't even imagine actually, you know, like what that must feel like, you know, and, but I can, I can relate to the fact of like training to be a robot, you know, and also I think not even just swimming in general, because I want to move beyond the Olympics now into real life because you're not going back to the Olympics, I don't think, but um, no, right? So, um, but I want everyone to listen clearly of what I'm saying of training yourself not to feel, um, training yourself not to feel pain because that can do a number later on in life. You know, mm -hmm. we feel pain subconsciously. We feel pain, you know, from verbal actions of others. We feel pain from infant, being an infant, you know, and we didn't even know it. We feel pain from past lives, whether you guys want to like connect with that or not. And it all comes back full circle. So I really want to kind of tap back into the after of being, you know, hardcore, you know, Olympic uh -huh. athlete. You were in Southern California still for a while. Um, I believe I, it sounds like you're a slow twitch athlete, you, more of endurance. Yeah. Yeah, uh, me too. So it takes you a while to warm up. But what are some things like, because obviously you're still on that path, that mindset. Did you, did you, and you can tell me if I'm overstepping my ground here. Did you kind of ever come to a stumbling point or kind of like a hit a brick wall of like, why am I doing this? Like, I'm tired. When I was swimming? 
yeah, like I'm tired. Like I'm really tired and I just want to lay down. But why am I feeling like this? And then did you start to feel again, you know, after you kept pushing yourself in endurance sports? Um, you know, we all know once an athlete, always an athlete. I love being outside just like you. But but did you ever start to feel again, like really wholeheartedly feel and start to feel confused? Or maybe those past traumas of training yourself like a robot come back. I'm going in circles here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I certainly had a stumbling moment after the first Olympics when I was graduating college and it was just, you know, what's the point? What's the point in continuing? What's the point in doing this all over again? Um, committing years of my life to training for, you know, trying to drop two tenths of a second for, um, to, to, you know, step back up there. What's the point of swimming in circles? What's the point of like mm -hmm. banging on my chest being like, look at me, I'm the best at swimming in circles. Like who <laughs> cares? Who cares? And there was a, there was a big lack in meaning for me. I was like, I, I, I understand the Olympics and like, that's a cool thing. And like, obviously a medal is something to be very proud of. But at the same time, I'm also very aware of the insignificance of what I'm doing. I'm swimming in circles. I'm going in circles. And it's inspiring to the people that want to do that. But at the same time, I just didn't feel like I was serving much value, um, which is ultimately, you know, why I kind of eventually left <laughs> the sport. And I, I left right after a very the highest point in my career. And there was a lot of question about that, like, why not keep going? And I just, I'm just done. I, this is, I've done my part. It's not serving me anymore. I, I feel like I'd like to explore other parts of myself that might have more meaning to me at this point. Not that swimming never had meaning. Of course it did. It's just people, you know, progress and change and that's great, <laughs> you know? And, um, but yeah, I mean, in the time since it's, it, it's been a big process of trying to feel again, trying to, um, learn to tune into my body and to hear what it's saying. That is an ongoing process that I still very heavily struggle with, as I'm sure we all do of tapping into your body, hearing, feeling like if it's saying something that is wrong, whether it's a situation that you're in or physically something that's going on, or like you said, those traumas that we have to work through. Um, I, I was a great robot and it, it took a really long time to begin to understand that that was the case, let alone start undoing some of that process. So that's still very much ongoing of, of tapping into, you know, what, what is my body actually saying? And, and really, uh, forgiving myself for not listening for so long. And, you know, I, I kind of consider it just like the yin and the yang, the masculine, the feminine energies that is within all of us, right? It's like sports are very masculine. You're always pushing, you're always mm -hmm. going, you're always exerting effort, right? And there's mm -hmm. not much receptive feminine sitting back, observing, listening, feeling, being in tune. And to be a healthy human, you need a balance of that. So for years and years and years, especially athletes, uh, we are very masculine. And so mm -hmm. it took a couple years of, you know, there were a couple years of maintaining that because that was my identity of going to all these workout classes to try to fulfill that success feeling of a hard workout that 
has been ingrained in me, honestly. It's like physical pain equals success means, you know, you didn't have a successful day unless you really pushed yourself to your limits physically. Um, And that, yeah, that continued for a couple years and it was very unsatisfying because there was no value in it, but I still needed it and craved it and couldn't quite find it to the same level because I'm obviously not going to work out eight hours a day anymore. Um, And it took, it took, you know, I ran a marathon, which was a beautiful experience, but I'm a swimmer and a breaststroker at that. So you can imagine what my knees felt like after that. Yes. Uh, It wasn't great. And it it took some downtime and some, you know, leg injuries (laughs) to, to really sit still and realize that there is this other side that needs to be tended to now, this feminine side, this this uh being in tune side that you know that there's value in turning inward as well as exerting outward so then i pretty much got swept away into into that side of things and and you know still still very much uh tending to that side of me and you know not being obsessive about how much I'm working out and pushing and exerting and even in my business, like making sure that it's a balanced effort and that there's as much tuning in and receptivity as there is exertion and effort. Um, and that is again, an ongoing process, <laughs> very much ongoing. And, and, um, yeah, as, as it, you know, you mentioned working through, you know, your traumas, working through the things that have been stored in your body, whether it's, through all the training and uh, maybe it's, you know, the, the disappointments that you've had in your career, maybe all sorts of different things, even like, you know, relationships, whether they're significant others or even just in general relationships, that's a, a big area in my life. Like I had to learn how to be a family member to my family. I had to learn how to be a sister to my sister because for so long I was, it, as an athlete, you are you're selfish by nature. You have to be. You're tuned into yourself all the time. And naturally, I was training all the time. I couldn't go visit my sister. I couldn't go, you know, be a part of family life that was just because. It was mm-hmm. only for special occasions, essentially. And mm-hmm. so I had to learn and still am learning how, how to maintain relationships in my life, especially, you know, talk about feeling. Yeah. <laughs> how do you show up on a feeling level when, when for so long you've tuned everything out, everything and everyone out? Um, and it takes time to unravel all these things, whether, you know, I'm not in a unique experience, experience just because I'm an Olympian. Like we all go through these things and we all store these things in our body, in our minds. And at a certain point, if you're doing your work to, you know, uncover and turn inwards, then these things are going to come up and they're going to come out. And that's a beautiful thing to like release them. But in the process, it's like, why am I reliving something from 10 years ago? Like, yeah, it's like, why is this coming up right now? What am I learning from it? How am I going to process this? What What's the teaching? There's always a teaching. There's always a lesson. Um, so it's it's a it's a fascinating experience, <laughs> and I, I'm obviously a big advocate of doing your work, self work. You know, writing, journaling, exploring, meditating, all these things. Uh, it's just the most fascinating thing, and that I 
can imagine is it's all right here. You know, we are fascinating creatures and the way that we process our stuff is, uh, it's a journey. (laughs) It's such an incredible journey. and, And we each get to do this if we choose to tap into it, right? If we choose that we want to, we want to release, we want to move on. We want to, uh, move and evolve into the next unfolding of who we are as people. Yeah, I believe that we are all an experiment, um, like whether it's putting it on ourselves or not. And I do want to touch on some things that you did bring up um, in the fact that you were mentioning um, swimming in circles. What's the point? Swimming in circles. What what do I have to give back? But Rebecca, gosh, if you would even hear your voice, which you will when this podcast is live. (laughs) If you could just hear yourself speak and how brilliant you are in that, I know your purpose of that. Your purpose of that is to express and exude to what you're doing in your business right now, which we'll jump mm-hmm. into, but it's to share your story. It's to share your story. And it's also to share the story of how to regain that point of emotion, how to feel, how to balance the masculine and the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. You know, being an athlete athlete is so masculine. Um, and talking scientifically and biologically, you know, as women, many of us lose our periods at that moment. So our um, estrogen, progesterone levels are way out of whack. Our hormones are way out of whack. So it takes mm-hmm. it does take years to bring those back into levels. And mm-hmm. at the, on those lines, like many of us aren't feeling, you know, or realizing or allowing us to, you know, become attracted to whomever, you know. And so that's another point of the balance. And then that throws off, you know, the point of you saying that, like, things are deep within you from perhaps 10 years ago. So true, because when the body is stressed under extreme stress, okay, so imagine you like put holding your hand into a fist for a long time, stressing that, like holding a stress ball basically, right? And all your emotions are jammed in that fist. You can't see any of them. All those experiences, all the pain that you're supposed to feel, nothing's flowing. You're a big rock, right? Mm-hmm. Big rock muscle walking around. And then all of a sudden you allow yourself to feel and your pinky finger comes up, you know, your ring finger slowly starts to open up, your middle finger, you know, your pointer finger and your palm is unveiled. And and then you're terrified because you're you're exposed. A jack-in-the-box pops out, right? (laughs) And you're like, yeah, what is going on? What is this? Oh my gosh, why do I feel this way? Why am I crying randomly? And everything's flowing again. And that's when you, A, are unshedding everything and everything's starting to feel again. And now you're in that process of balancing it all again. Sister, mm-hmm. I hear you. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying, but it is beautiful. It mm-hmm. is beautiful because it I'm, is absolutely. I'm yeah, sure you're having some amazing spiritual awakenings. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful process, and it's it's been very fun. Like I deeply enjoy it. I enjoy. I mean, it's also 
my personality type. Like I, I'm, I'm a deep person and I, I like to explore the depths of the human spirit. I like the darkness. I like to see what is hiding. I want to see, mm. you know, I'm one of those people where if I, if I, you know, meet a new friend, like I don't want any of your like show. I don't want no. to, no see you to prove how cool you are. Like show me you're ugly. I want to <laughs> see that. And then we can get real, you know, but, um, yeah, another thing that when you were speaking that came to mind was, as you were saying, you know, especially as women, we lose our, our cycles or sometimes like that wasn't my story, but it was certainly the enemy, right? Like as an athlete, being a female, having hormones, having a period, like yeah. how inconvenient, how yeah. in the way, right? Yeah, so we have to, Olympics. we have to sequester that. We have to gain control of that. We have to, you know, uh, medicate ourselves so that we don't get our period at the wrong time mm. right when or Please. like yeah. time it perfectly so that you know that you know I mean the female but I'm I'm like just starting to you know tap into that of like oh yeah I am a woman and yeah. I have these cycles and I have to uh learn what that means instead of just trying to force it under my submission which is what I've been trained to do. So, to yeah, like we we our bodies are our enemy when we're athletes, and mm. we have to learn how to make take control over them. So it, it's it's fascinating. <laughs> like there's so much that that um, you know these beliefs that we are built upon as athletes, and uh, you know unlearning that is a beautiful process. Yeah, I love how you are, and I. I'm sure you've always been a little bit spiritual, but especially since I know that you dive deep into yoga practices and are basically like flooding yourself with the power of nature right now and how spiritual nature is and earthing. Um, how have you like evolved and changed since leaving LA? You were in New York for a little bit. Like how has that how has that changed in your life? I mean, I want to use a different word besides change, but like, like how has that kind of like captivated your true essence? May I ask? Oh, well, there's n I don't have like a, a answer because it's in, it's in the process. Everything's in the process cool. and it, as it always is, you know, we're never there, but it's certainly been a, uh, a beautiful, process of of just making friends with myself I guess for that phrase came to mind for some reason of of actually honoring you know I moved to Bend because I wanted to be in the mountains and mm. and close to my family but like yeah because I wanted to be here it's not because of a job cool. or like somebody else it, it's like just for me and to honor myself in that way it's like this is the first time I've ever done anything like this and I'm still very new here I'm like what am I what's going on you know I'm still very much in the transition process but um but that was a huge to me that that like I, I constantly remind myself like you did something very big for you and I I'm I love to serve others I find a lot of satisfaction of like giving to the people around me and and I want to you know always be putting it forward like that and but to treat my own self that way like that's the biggest gift it's a it's a very big beginning for sure um and yeah nature is like 
gorgeous and beautiful and and so I mean the process of having lived in a city for a year in New York City was you know it was great I wasn't uh it wasn't my thing (laughs) but I'm so grateful for it because it really showed me you know this experience where I was starting to see what disconnection from nature does to people to a culture to um you know, the energy of the city is obviously, you know, we all know the city never sleeps, it's nonstop, it's, you know, observing the lifestyle, the expectations. I was not really as much a part of it because I run my own business, I I set my own schedule and and I spent a lot of time, you know, doing what I wanted to do, but to observe the friends that I'd made and, and friends from growing up in New Jersey that live there and uh, just people in general, the, the nonstop nature, the endless, I mean, talk about hyper-masculine energy. It's all like, go, 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 go. The expectations to work, you know, 20-hour days. And if you're not doing that, you're not trying hard enough. You're not giving it enough. And, and you know, also at this beautiful time when people are, in general, culture is tapping more into uh, their experience and self-care and mm. yoga and meditation and mindset like people it's a trend that we're you know it's certainly a presence where it wasn't necessarily there before so you can see this struggle in this environment where we're out of touch with nature we are you know hustling but like we're starting to question why so it was a really beautiful experience of observing a lot of that and and observing that within myself as well, like what happens when I take nature out of my life? And it was not ideal, uh, certainly wasn't ideal, but then coming back to a place that is, you know, explosion of epic nature <laughs> in Oregon, it's, um, it's beautiful. Honestly, I'm not uh, used to it yet. I'm not, um, I was traveling a little bit right after I moved. So I'm still, I'm just like, I'm ready to plant and be here and even just you know to see trees outside my window Mm -hmm. and see movement like there was this moment in New York when there was some storm rolling in and and you know I was looking out the window and like this wind was howling but nothing was moving because it's all concrete and I just like that was such a I'd never realized that before like things don't move here like there's no swaying in the wind. It's like that disconnected and, and that just like, oh, my soul hurts. Like I want to see a tree blowing in the wind. And You see um, a paper and you're like, that's all, folks. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like dirt flying <laughs> and trash. Um, yeah, so to, to like even just that little detail is already, you know, you, you tap in, you tune in a little bit more. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's still brand new. It's hard to say what is a... Uh, the outcome of all of this other than I'm just so happy to be in a place of connection because we are nature like oh yeah we are what we see out out there and and that's why hiking being in nature I love paddling here it's like just being outside is is epic (laughs) for our inner world it really connects us to to a deeper um you know it's not all about me. I am part of all of this yes. instead. You're, yeah. just, you're just, what do they say? Um, you're just having a human experience. 
your spiritual right. being having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can relate to you in the fact that like, I know I live in a, the beach cities and you're widely familiar with the area and sure there's a lot of activity and stuff, but I have, have lately have felt this like hole of like, I need space. <laughs> like <laughs> I need space. I need nature. And you know, being yeah. a Kansas girl, I can never, I guess I took it for granted, but like, I need like the wind and you know, just, I need to put my feet in the grass and not feel like there's pesticides in it. You know, <laughs> I not, I need to not constantly like hear sirens, you know, <laughs> and I get it. And it's that, that, that recognition that it is so healing and that healing is, uh Oh, there's that crazy phone. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We have this crazy fun in the background. But as I was saying, you know, like, I don't know. It's about that ongoing healing and about the fact that we're always healing. Mm-hmm. And it's that evolution to start to feel again. And I lost my train of thought when that phone started ringing. <laughs> but anyways, um, I want to talk with about so many more things, but I know we'll – We'll have to probably bring you back on for a special episode about your plant-based lifestyle, which I love. And, you know, I'm really trying to step back from, like, using labels and Mm -hmm. this and that, but more of, like, what's personalized and customized to you and why you do it. Because, you know, one body is not the same as another body. Yeah. Um, And we need to honor that completely, 100%. I want to ask you, though – at 32, you know, having moved around, having experienced so many things, having started a business called Rise Athletes, Rise mm-hmm. Athletes, right? Mm-hmm. I always wanted to call it Elite, Rise Elite. Um, <laughs> Formerly known as Rise Elite. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So you are, um, you are one of the co-founders and you, um, you're a big mentor, so A, you are fulfilling that passion or that purpose and that passion to breed a younger generation into mm-hmm. how to kind of like tap into their potential, but create that balance. Tell us briefly a little bit about that, and then I'll ask you one last question. Yeah. Yeah. So Rise has been about five years in the works. Uh, Caroline Burkle and I started it several years back, and it really started as this desire to give my knowledge as opposed to just my swimming knowledge. Like <laughs> after being asked to do lessons and this and that, you know, I'm not a coach and coaches are very astute and in that ability. And I don't have that ability because I was all about, you know, my internal process. And so what I did realize was how much mindset played a factor in all of this. And and that was really an after the fact realization in in my transition out of sports and trying to leverage my tools that I'd learned, realizing that that was the strength actually, and, and wanting to give that to young athletes as a foundation so that, you know, honestly, so that they don't stand up on the metal podium being like, what the hell am I supposed to feel right now? Right. And so they're not as lost as I was. Um, 
And so working with Caroline, we put together this, uh, you know, foundation and, and all the tools that athletes can use to really become more well-rounded humans. It's not about, we're not here to like make you the best athlete and help you push even more, right? Like most, uh, most athletes are already doing a great job at working hard and, you know, maybe they need a little guidance there, but for the most part, we're just, we're rounding you out. We're helping you to, to understand yourself. You know, I like to think of, I'm slowly evolving the like user manual for my body, right? For myself, my user manual. And so we're helping these kids do that as well. But we're doing so in a way where, you know, I started doing this way back when just because it felt good to me and then realized this is actually something that a lot of people need and I can't give it to a lot of people, right? By nature, it's one-on-one, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's that intimate connection relationship that's uh, not the same when you're, in a classroom or in a group. Right. And so I was also realizing how much healing it was for me, how helpful it was for me as a, you know, retired athlete to both process my journey, share it with, give it to somebody else that is in the process of learning and help them start at a higher level that you started foundationally, like not level of athletics, but like human level, (laughs) And so realizing how beneficial it was for me, that's when Caroline and I connected and and she became the first additional mentor within Rise and we founded Rise together and then uh, spreading that to other Olympians who are in the process of, most of them are retired, some are getting to that point eventually and, and really needing more tools in their human tool belt. Uh, <clears throat> so it's this amazing community of our peers, people that are experiencing the same things we are, uh, coming together, which is huge because imagine that for your whole life, you've had a team, a coach, a, a, a ladder to climb the progress laid in front of you, the plan, the steps. And then here you are, you're like, now what? I don't have a coach. I don't have guidance. I don't know the next step. I'm on my own. I'm financially in a different position. I'm not like, I'm in this new unsafe place. So to be able to come together as a team and like have a a group that you can step into, like that's a big passion area for us that, that we're continuing to build, but then giving them an opportunity to connect with kids all over the world. So that's a a very long, long answer. I mean, there's so much to say about what we do and what we're working on, but essentially it's, it's, you know, harnessing our tools as a community coming together as a community and giving back to the next generation through mentorship, through showing up for, a kid. I mean, going back full circle to the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about these expectations that you see in kids nowadays and parents putting pressure, you know, wanting the best for their kids. But, you know, these kids are, they're dealing with, I would say, more pressure, more anxiety in general than, than we were in our generation and the generations before us. And, you know, that trend is going to keep progressively getting more intense unless we step in and, and tune into, you know, what's really important. So we're trying to do our part to uh, to keep that a little bit more grounded and to, to allow space for these young individuals to have somebody there for them. Like, yeah. I'm here just for you. Like, I'm here for you. And I, you know, we can just like we're having right now, except yeah. it will be recorded and posted yeah. for everyone else to hear. But like, 
that face-to-face time, that connection that's so missing in our world today, you know? I have a lot of friends that it'll be like, I'll reach out like, hey, can we connect? And they're like, that sounds so networky to connect. And I'm like, no, but like, that's what I'm craving. I need connection. I need this one-on-one, like yeah. you and me, you know, put your phone down and like, I'm here for you. Like, let's connect, right? Um, so to give that to a kid who is always behind their phone, you know, managing the social media world of identity, like it's a lot of- The vulnerability. Vulnerability and yeah. just- just yeah a lot of life stuff so so it feels good to show up for for them and and bring more olympians on board and be able to get this to be more accessible to more people i love it you know you're breeding that generation that's going to be you know healing to other kids in their generation you know they're going to be those kids on the playground that are going to say like hey rebecca told me this you know, let's try this or like they're going to stop the bullying on the playground. And that's Mm -hmm. what we hope. That's like truly it's beyond just swimming or baseball or whatever. You know, it's, it's kind of like yoga, like life really happens off the mat, you know? Um, I love it guys. That's riseathletes.com. Rise dash athletes. Rise dash. Rise dash (laughs) athletes.com. I'll have all that in the show notes. Um, okay. Are you ready for your last question? Yes. <laughs> Ooh, that's a question mark. Um, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Rebecca. Like, I prepared? <laughs> you didn't prepare? No, I'm just kidding. Um, what's your honest truth that has led you on a path to success in maintaining a healthy lifestyle? I know nothing, and that's, like, the starting point of everything. Like, admitting that I know nothing, right? I'm not here to to preach my way or, you know, by sharing my story, it's simply an experience. It's not like every day I'm constantly reminded. I, I, I know nothing. And that's what makes me open to everything. Oh, reborn, reborn (laughs) to all new experiences, actually just every experience and creating them as a new experience. Right. Oh my gosh, Rebecca, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today, or as I like to say, just having a little chit chat with me, a little coffee talk. (laughs) Um, Where can everyone find you, since we were talking about social media, where can everyone perhaps follow your new journey? Um, I am at Rebsony. I am not super present on social media. Um, Might be changing that or attempting to, but... (laughs) But you can find me there, and if you reach out, I will eventually get to it. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. And then, guys, it's rise-athletes.com. And uh, you can kind of snoop on there, see what they're all up to. Perhaps you have a little one um, that wants to connect in that program. Mm -hmm. They are open um, with their arms, just welcoming any new friendly faces out there. And, guys... um, I'm so grateful for you tuning in every single week, giving your feedback, and just sharing your comments with us. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Simplecast FM. And if you have any questions or comments, again, feel free to contact me at JustBeAnHonestKB. Again, it's been a pleasure, and have a beautiful day. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug. Peace, love, ciao!
Glamour and fame is often at times perceived as something that stands as, quote unquote, the success. But what about all of those deep, dark depths within your soul? That, my friends, is where I personally believe that is where the beauty lies. One of my favorite takeaways from Reb is that she walks through life as though she knows nothing, absolutely nothing. When you approach each experience and situation at, as it is the first, then you get to savor every moment it has to offer. I hope you all got a lot of value out of this episode today. And thank you so much for hanging out with me. And if you did, please make sure to share this podcast episode number 71. Share it out with your friends and your family on social media. And you can tag me at just being honest KB. Remember, that's being without a G. So it's J U S T B E I N H O N E S T KB. I'm so grateful for your support. And I always love to hear your feedback, always. And please make sure to take a moment or two to head over to um, give us a rating, a review, and subscribe. And leave us just a handy little message or two. You have the power to help us bring you even better content and guests each and every week. Each and every week. And as always, I appreciate you all so much. Until next time. Thanks for joining in.